Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. The Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Hey, it's C. Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, the fan in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You can follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. You can follow our next guest, special guest. Uh, used to have him on the big show back in the day, Josh Lewenberg, Raptors beat reporter for TSN. You can follow him on Twitter at JLU. 1050 and uh, probably thinking, okay, Raptors talk. Can't wait. Well, not necessarily, uh, but both uh, coaches in Toronto and have now been hired. Uh, obviously, Adrian Griffin gets hired by the Milwaukee Bucks. Nick Nurse uh, gets hired by the Philadelphia 76ers. The Bucks had an option of either one of them or to Kenny Atkinson, and they go with AG uh, instead at the end of the day. And Josh, you had nice things to say uh, on Twitter uh about uh ag and his time in toronto and that's why i kind of wanted to get you on kind of just your general thoughts of of being around him and, and seeing how he coached and his relationship with players and with coach nurse and the whole deal yeah i mean he's a great guy and somebody that has been doing this a really long time so i'm happy that he finally gets this opportunity excited to see what he does with it i mean it's always great to see coaches that pay their dues I mean, in this case, both as a player and as an assistant coach, he's been in the league for two and a half decades and has been up for jobs before. Um, But he's somebody I I think that's really well-regarded, well-respected around the league, in large part because of what I just mentioned, the fact that he's been doing this for a long time. But I also just think, like, he's a great basketball mind and I always say the barometer for something like that when it comes to coaches is just talking to players because it's really hard to BS players they know who knows the game and everyone that I've spoken to every player or every one of his peers executives around the league anybody you speak to speaks really highly of Adrian Griffin um, th- there's a certain level of preparation and I think calmness that follows him around. You never sort of see him flustered or, or looking like he's uh, out of place or uncomfortable. And that's something ultimately that's going to be tested as a head coach in a way that you, you don't really get tested as an assistant. But I think he's well-suited and well-prepared for the job. You know, that's the one thing. I mean, he's come from... So many different coaches. Uh, Scott Skiles, he was with Scott Skiles here in Milwaukee uh, earlier on in his career when he went from you know player to coach and, and that whole deal. So uh, some of the guys that have been here for a while, like myself, uh, kind of have an idea about him. 
but uh, like Skiles, uh, more of a defensive-minded type player when he played and as a coach as well. And I was reading a piece, I think it was in The Athletic, talking about how Nick Nurse kind of changed things up with his assistant coaches and kind of rotated through responsibility. So the same guy wasn't doing the same thing every week of the year to kind of give these guys all uh, more knowledge as to kind of the whole scope of the game, which I think is a pretty cool deal for Nick Nurse. How confident do you think Bucks fans should be in kind of what he wants to do offensively at this point? Yeah, and that's an important point that you mentioned and sort of the idea behind that and something that Nick Nurse has done since he took over as head coach five years ago is rotating his assistance through offense, defense, and special teams, sort of out-of-bound plays and after timeouts and all of that. They would take on that responsibility for a couple weeks at a time in addition to obviously their duties in scouting specific teams. Um, and one of the things that Nurse did was he gave his assistants a lot of autonomy, really allowing them to own certain uh, parts of the job, parts of the game. Um, so I, I think that's prepared. Adrian, in addition to, as you mentioned, working under different head coaches, I think that's something that's really important too, is allowing those influences to come from different places, taking certain things and kind of seeing the good things and the bad things that a lot of different head coaches have done and implementing that into your philosophy. Um, in terms of the offense, yeah, I mean, I think that's the bigger question mark here, just based on, as you mentioned, the fact that defense has always been something that Griff has hung his hat on as a player and as a coach. But I think sometimes that that's maybe the trap that we get into when we typecast a coach is like he's the offensive guy he's the defensive guy and just speaking from recent experience it was always funny with Nick Nurse where we sort of viewed him initially as the offensive guy he worked in the Houston Rockets system with their G League team ironically working for Daryl Morey and that's who he's going to be working with now that he's in Philadelphia and what he was known for there was really helping them design this innovative offensive system and then comes to the Raptors and sort of does the same thing as an assistant. Dwayne Casey put him in charge of the offense. So that's what we thought he'd be all about at the time. And turns out he actually uh, w was really bright in terms of the way that he saw the game defensively and did a lot of things uh, in terms of innovation and, and creativity on the defensive end of the floor. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're sleeping on AG's offensive acumen here as well. Let's talk about uh, both sides of the ball, I guess, offense and defense without that true center. I mean, Valanciunas was there for a while. Uh, now you really haven't had that true center in Toronto necessarily. Uh, and they figured out defensively how to play without that true rim projecting center. The Bucks do have that guy, providing they – decide to bring him back, which if this is all being up to Giannis at the end of the day, like it seems it is, I would have to imagine Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton uh, are both back. Uh, but from that perspective, I think that would be a luxury that uh, he's looking forward to having, even though they were able to play some pretty solid defense without having a rim protector in Toronto. Yeah, it's funny because that's sort of been the story in Toronto the last few years up until obviously they acquire Jakob Pertl at the deadline is, this is a team that, for the most part, by, by their own choosing, by their own uh, design, had been playing without a traditional center. And now Nick Nurse goes to Philadelphia, has the 
best center, certainly in the Eastern Conference. So we'll call him one of the best centers in the NBA, along with Nikola Jokic, now coaching Joel Embiid with the Sixers. And in all likelihood, as you mentioned, Adrian Griffin is going to get a chance to work with Brooke Lopez, a pretty good center in his own right. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I agree with you. I think the coaching staff in Toronto made the best of what they were given. Obviously, a lot of criticism going to Nurse and the coaching staff coming off of a really disappointing season. And I think a lot of it is warranted. But in a season like the Raptors had, there's a lot of blame to go around, right? Like, there's a lot of people that sort of have to, to wear it. and. Some of that, a lot of that is on the front office and the team and the way that the team was built. I, I mean, I think Nurse and AG and company, they, they took on a team that didn't have, again, the traditional center. They didn't have much shooting in the lineup. And they looked at it and said, okay, well, in order to win games, we have to be really good at what we're good at. And that was, again, kind of utilizing this versatility in the lineup, all of these long athletic six nine guys and so the thing that they really leaned on as a, as a coaching staff was how do we maximize possessions and, and for them and for the way that this team was built it was about creating turnovers and crashing the offensive glass not turning the ball over themselves uh, but I think the test the, the true measure of a, a coach specifically a head coach is how you adapt your system to the players that you have. And Nurse did a pretty good job of that over the years. They didn't do a great job of it last year, and the record is a good reflection of that. But I think this is going to be a good test for both Nurse and Griffin going. And I mean, obviously, both of them inherit really, really good teams. For, for AG, if you're going to be a first-time head coach, to step into – the buff situation and be a legitimate championship contender from day one for nurse to go to Philadelphia. Like there's going to be a lot of pressure for both guys, but this is a pretty good problem to have is inheriting those teams, but they are different teams than, than where they're coming from. So the test here for both, but especially for AG as the first time head coach is how do you adapt your system and your philosophy to the players you have? And in this case, the Bucs have some great players. So, yeah, it, it's going to be on AG to adapt the system more than it's going to be on the players to adapt to the new head coach. What was the offensive philosophy in Toronto? I know the last couple of years you guys struggled a little bit in the half-court offense. I think that was something that drove Bucks fans crazy in the postseason was Bud's half-court offense uh, as well. But when uh, Boonholzer got here, it was let it fly. Brooke Lopez practiced threes. Uh, Drew Holiday, we're going to shoot a bunch of threes. Chris Middleton, I know you're a great mid-range shooter, but for the first year, we just want you to work on shooting threes. And that was kind of the mantra. And then over the course of time, Middleton got back to shooting his mid-range jumpers again. Lopez really never played a ton around the rim, which was his strength. He relied more on the three-point shot. Uh, what was that strategy in, uh, in Toronto? Well, there was a lot of offensive freedom that that was given to the players in Toronto, which at one point seemed like a feature in the end, it ended up being more of a bug, I, I think. And, and that to me has been the knock on the Raptors philosophy as an organization over the last few years is that we talked about adapting and adjusting on the fly. That hasn't been something that the Raptors have done a great job of since winning the championship in 2019. I, I think there was just this sense that like, all right, 
won the championship. This is our identity. And even as things change, and obviously things change drastically over the years, Kawhi Leonard left in free agency in 2019. And then slowly you kind of whittle that roster down where Ibaka and Gasol leave, then Kyle Lowry leaves. And this was a very different team. But philosophically, I think a lot of the thinking was the same. It was about this offensive freedom, being able to go out there and, and, and not structure things too much, giving guys like Van Vliet and Siakam a lot of um, a lot of wiggle room in terms of what to run. There wasn't a whole lot of pick and roll, play calling. Um, and again, as, as the roster changed and as this team changed, I, I don't think that's something that worked too well in their favor obviously that's just something that works better with experienced teams which the Raptors had in 2019 than it does with a young team which is what the Raptors have been dealing with over the last few years so yeah it'll be interesting to see how much of that carries over obviously I think you want a balance right like you're gonna need some semblance of structure especially in the half court and that's something that really as you mentioned hurt the Raptors half court offense over the last few years but the players really like the idea of being able to go out there and have that freedom as well. So ultimately, and one of the things that I would hope AG kind of picked up over the last few years is there is that line where you need to find that balance offensively between structure and freedom. One last one for you. Uh, what is Toronto going to do for their head coaching position? I, I haven't seen a lot necessarily attached to the Raptors at this point. Uh, are they waiting on Miami to get done? Is that what's happening? Uh, Chris Quinn was a guy that the Bucks were interested in. That's kind of who I was lobbying for once I kind of got an idea of who they were interviewing uh, to kind of bring some of that that Spolstra uh, fun stuff uh, to Milwaukee. That obviously didn't happen. Any idea which way Toronto is leading? Yeah, I don't get the sense that they're waiting on, on any one guy. That said, it has obviously been a slow, methodical process. And I think there's some pros and cons to that as well, too. You can look at that and say, okay, well, this is a team that is doing their due diligence. They're being patient. And I just think, like, the Raptors front office in general, that's one of the things that they're known for is that patience. But I also look at it and say, okay, well, is this a team that knows what they want from a coaching standpoint? Because usually when that's, if that's the case, you move pretty quickly. If you have a pretty good idea of like what you're looking for, or obviously who you're looking for. And we've seen that in some cases, um, obviously with Milwaukee and Philadelphia moved really quick uh, with Nick Nurse. Houston uh, was really quick in hiring Udoka, a guy that the Raptors at one point were connected to as well. So it really is interesting here to see what they're going to do because I don't really have a great sense of like this is their guy, but it does seem like they're wrapping things up here from everything that I've heard is that the Raptors are nearing the end of this very long search that they've moved on to the final stage of the process here, narrowing the list of candidates down to three or four names that are expected to be in Toronto this week to go through final interviews. And then I would expect an announcement. I would expect a decision sometime over the next week or two, either as early as the end of this week and perhaps early next week. 
in terms of who it's going to be, I, I mean, I, I heard the name Sergio Scariolo, um, a former Raptors assistant and, and somebody that was on that staff with Nurse and AG when they won the championship in 2019. He's been reportedly um, part of this finalist group. Um, and then Jordy Fernandez with the Kings, Marvel. another name that I've heard as well. Kevin Young with the Suns has been yeah. involved. David Allman, um, who's still obviously coaching with the Nuggets. My sense, and you can kind of pick up on it based on the names that I mentioned, is that the Raptors are looking at up-and-coming head coaches in the league, that it's probably not going to be somebody that has been a head coach before, that, that has been a veteran head coach in this league. I really think they want to find the next guy. I love Sam Cassell, and I, I, I can't figure out for the life of me why yeah. Sam Cassell can't get a job. That, that's who I wanted in Milwaukee, former Buck, played here the whole deal. Uh, been an assistant forever. Maybe the fact that he's an assistant for Doc is holding him back. I have no idea, but that, that's one name that I, I can't seem to figure out why he can't get a shot. But Jordy Fernandez, love him, man. If, if you guys get him, I think you guys get a really good one uh, in what he's been able to do with Mike Brown out there in Sacramento. Josh, thanks so much for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Follow Josh Lewenberg on Twitter at jlu 1050 Of course, uh, Raptors beat reporter for TSN up in Canada. J, uh, Josh Lewenberg, thank you so much for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Anytime. Take care. You bet you take care. There he is. Josh Lewenberg joining us here on Green and Growing. Remember, you can download this podcast uh, on your Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Uh, the podcast is not over. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what we just saw in the NBA Files, because in a weird way, I think Boston has themselves in a in a situation similar to the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in the fact that they're kind of coming to a crossroads here. They, they've got to figure out what they want to do. Are they going to continue on with Tatum and and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart and these guys, or are they going to make a significant change uh, and possibly move on from Jalen Brown and try and find somebody else to play with Jason Tatum and and so forth? Now, the difference between Boston and Milwaukee, obviously, is the fact that they're a lot younger. Uh, Their their two stars are, are in a much better situation than Maybe the Bucks are from the Bucks perspective. Brooke Lopez old, uh, Middleton older. Uh, Giannis uh, is not thirty necessarily at this point, but he's getting to that point as well. Now, in day to day life, is thirty years old old? No, probably not. Uh, but uh, in NBA years and so forth, you start getting over thirty. Then obviously, yeah, you start getting looked at in that light. And both of those players, Tatum and Brown, uh, are are quite a bit of ways uh, from thirty years old. The other thing. Uh, that they have to figure out in Boston now is they made a commitment to Missoula, and I, I don't. I mean, I guess they're gonna honor it, and they're gonna let him be the coach again next year. Maybe they change uh, the assistant coaching staff and let him kind of get who he wants because that whole thing was hodgepodge thrown together before the season, with the Udoka stuff going on, uh, and now he's obviously in Houston, so maybe that the assistant coaches get changed a little bit to get guys in there that he wants. Uh, I was listening to uh, Sirius NBA radio uh, this morning, uh, and I-, I listen every once in a while to Sola and Scalabrini. And Scalabrini works on the Celtics broadcast, Brian Scalabrini, and had him and Sola both on, uh, Frank Sola, I should say, on the big show over the course of time. And some guy called in and was just not having uh, the idea of Missoula, uh, uh, the, the Celtics head coach, uh, just being kind of, 
grumpy and serious all the time. And hey, you know, he's not Bill Belichick. Da 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 da. I, I gotta be honest. I didn't think fans cared one way or the other. <laughs> I really did it. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, he never seems happy and so forth. Uh, but if you follow this dude and you kind of know his background, um, pretty religious dude, uh, big into motivation uh, and positivity and so forth. So, while he may not come across as, you know, happy-go-lucky dude, um, there's a lot of positives about this dude. Uh, as a person, I guess you could say, uh, kind of going forward. But apparently Celtics fans, not happy. Now, do they move on from him? Eat the contract? They're not paying him that much. First first head coaching job, last-minute situation. He's going to take a whatever they give him to be an NBA head coach, obviously. There's not many of them in, uh, in, in the country. So maybe they do move on from him. I don't think they will. I think Brad Stevens probably sticks by him. But if they do, you know, then who is the next guy that comes in to be their head coach. And what do they decide they want to do? The buck situation is interesting because with this AG hiring, as we talked to Josh Lewinberg, you have no idea what this offense is. None defensively. Uh, if it's anything like Nick nurse, it's going to be a lot of defenses changing. You, you see several defenses possibly uh, in a game as they're going in and out of different defenses. I'll tell you one thing, Jimmy Butler going off for 50, uh, against this team with as much ease as he did probably will not happen with AG and whatever coaching staff he puts together. That's my guess. That It's probably just not going to happen. Uh, they're going to run doubles at him. They'll have Giannis on him, uh, boxing ones and everything else. They're going to do everything they can to try and slow down the star of the other team. That's the one thing Toronto did try to do and something that Milwaukee wasn't as worried about trying to do at the end of the day. And AG is going to get an entire regular season to kind of figure out what his identity is going to be as a head as a head coach, what his team's identity is going to be going forward. Now, the easy answer to all of this is it's it's going to be defensive minded first. The Miami Heat are in the NBA Finals against the Denver Nuggets. The Miami Heat were the lowest scoring team in the NBA this this past season, lowest scoring, and now it appears Tyler Hero may be back in time for. I believe they said game three of the NBA final with no zone. So they may get one of their scorers back in time for the finals against the Nuggets. But they rely on defense, that physical style of play, that grit, that determination, that that different mindset maybe that a lot of teams have, kind of an old school mindset that Spolster and Jimmy Butler kind of put into this team. I don't know necessarily if that's what this Bucks team is going to be about. Boonholzer's teams have always been relatively good defensively as well. The key is going to be offense. So to me, if I'm going to go hire somebody as to be the head coach, I want to know offensively what's going to change. Like, what are we going to do differently in the half court that is going to change at this moment in time? defensively, there'll probably be some changes, right? Maybe they don't play as much drop coverage as they have in the past with Bud uh, and do some different things there. But offensively, are we going to play Brook Lopez in the post? Is Brook Lopez going to play closer to the rim? How much are, do you want Giannis to initiate the offense? How much do you want Giannis shooting three-point shots? What What's the role going to be for Chris Middleton in this thing? Will he initiate offense more than he has in the past? Because he's done it quite a bit in the past, and we kind of went away from it, felt like, this year. And then as far as what do you want out of Chris Middleton, what's his role going to be? 
And then what do you want the bench to look like? Right? Are we going to go with more veterans like we have here in the last couple of years? Uh, do you want a couple of younger guys on that bench to play with some energy coming off that bench? See, a lot of this all has to be answered. A lot of these questions have to be answered. I want to know what AG said to Giannis to lead to the report that Giannis was intrigued by AG. Intrigued. That's an interesting word, intrigued. Kind of like I when I when I saw the word intrigue, I kind of thought of, okay, Giannis heard something where he said, hmm, that's out of the box. I never thought about playing it that way. That could be interesting. That's how I view intrigue, where AG told him something of how he wanted to either use Giannis or how he wanted the offense to be or how he wanted to play defense. Giannis had never thought of that concept with this roster or whatever the case may be. Said, that might work. That could be something. And didn't hear similar from Nick Nurse or didn't hear similar from Kenny Atkinson. Uh, Maybe that's what kind of sold him necessarily on the end of the day at AG. What we don't know, because we haven't heard from Giannis, is was it simply he liked him better than the other two? Or did Giannis say, okay, these are my thoughts on AG. These are my thoughts on Nick Nurse. And if Kenny Atkinson was involved, if he talked to Kenny Atkinson, I don't know if he did. But if he did, okay, these are my thoughts on the three guys that I met with. Take it from here. And then go. And then was it, okay, we don't want to spend a ton of money. We're going to the repeater tax. I don't want to spend a ton of money on a coach again, like Nick Nurse and so forth. So we'll go with AG. He seems okay with him. He'll be the cheapest option for us. Uh, And as long as he's comfortable with him and likes him, we think he's good enough to get us to where we want to go. It's a big, big ask in my mind to ask a guy that's never been a head coach to come in and win a championship. And regardless of what Giannis says, anything short of a championship is going to be a failure. Sorry. Hate to break it to you. Jalen Brown, after they lose game seven, said that he himself failed and his team failed and let down a city of fans that deserve to have to see their team go to the finals and, you know, win a championship. Use the word failed several times. And that is what next year is. I don't care that he's a first year coach. Doesn't doesn't matter to me one way or the other. The expectation does not change. You have Giannis. And providing you still have Middleton and Lopez and Holiday. The expectation is championship or bust. That's what it would have been for Nick Nurse. That's what it would have been for Kenny Atkinson. That's what it would have been for Sam Cassell, Chris Quinn. Whoever it would have been, the expectation is still the same. There's not going to be a honeymoon period from the fan base of, well, it's his first year as head coach. Yeah, we got bounced in round one, but baby steps, he'll figure it out. No, sorry. You all can believe that in the organization. That's fine. But from a fan base perspective, nobody is believing that whatsoever. Not happening. Now, do I expect there to be bumps and challenges probably throughout the regular season with a first-year head coach? Yep. Do I expect the Bucs to be the one seed necessarily in the Eastern Conference next year? Nope. Is it end of the world if they're not? Nope. When they went and won the dang thing, they were a three seed. Both times they've been a one seed, I believe they've gotten knocked out, obviously, because they only went to the finals once and they won that one time. So I don't care if they're a two seed. I don't care if they're a three seed. Doesn't matter to me. Miami, he just won as an eight seed. So don't care what seed you are. But 
By the time you get to the postseason, you better have an identity as a team of what you're going to be and how you're going to play when you get into the postseason. And then when you get into the postseason, it's a whole new season. Now the coaching gets magnified even more because now adjustments have to be made from game to game. That's where the challenge comes from. You can be a great regular season coach, not be all that good in the postseason. And you just heard Josh Ludenberg talk about the fact that there's been a knock on the Raptors has been adjustments, in-game adjustments, just adjustments in general. They, they didn't make a ton of them. And that was a knock on them for the last couple of years. Well, one of their coaches is now your head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. The head guy that wasn't making a ton of adjustments is the head guy in Philadelphia. And these two teams and two coaches are going to be linked going forward because a majority of this Bucks fan base wanted Nick Nurse. Make no mistake about it. Majority of you all wanted him. So if Philly goes and wins a championship with Nick Nurse and AG has the Bucs nowhere close or getting knocked out in the first or second round of the playoffs, people are going to lose their minds. Going to lose their minds. And I'm not going to blame them for losing their minds. So there is going to be a lot of pressure on this team to go do something. One other thing. You know, when you talk about the Miami Heat, and how they're doing this. So many times when you win a championship, and I don't know if they're going to be the Denver Nuggets. I think it'll be a good series. But when you win a championship, there's a copycat uh, way of things that happen in professional sports league. So if the Golden State Warriors win a championship shooting a bunch of threes, then what happens? The rest of the league goes, oh, everybody practice threes. That's how we have to compete with the Golden State. Let's shoot a bunch of threes. Okay. If in the National Football League, a team runs a, a ton and plays good defense and runs play action, and they go and they win a championship and they're kind of dominant, you watch. All of a sudden, things will start changing and uh, becoming different in the National Football League. And you'll want to see more of that especially if you do it without a superstar quarterback like a Patrick Mahomes. People will try to copy that way of doing things. Baseball, harder to be a copycat league because there's so many moving pieces and so forth. So that's that's a lot more difficult. So from the Bucks' perspective, looking at Miami, if they were to win a championship, you can't copy what they did. And nobody in the NBA is going to be able to copy what they did. Because they have a one-in-one player in Jimmy Butler. They've got several undrafted dudes, all being key contributors like Caleb Martin, who you could have argued probably could have had the MVP award uh, for the Eastern Conference uh, Championship Series. They gave it to Jimmy Butler, but he very well could have won it. Multiple injuries, overcoming all of that. Like, this is not going to be a team that you're going to try and copy around the rest of the NBA if they go win it. In fact, I'm willing to bet you a lot of it's going to be, oh, it's a fluke. It's a fluke. It's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. You won't see them back in the finals again next year with the same roster. It's just not going to happen. It's a nice story. It worked out well. Fine. What is happening is Eric Spolster is getting a ton of credit. And we had our little NBA redraft, if you missed it, in the last podcast going off of Bart Winkler's podcast. And we talked about, or actually it was two podcasts ago. It was before Bart was on. Bart Winkler was on the last podcast, The Greeting Growing. It was the podcast before that. So it was 
what would it have been? Uh, the Tuesday show, I guess, of last week. And we talked about Eric Spolstra and how many guys would go before Eric Spolstra. At this point, I think it's very hard to argue that he's not the best coach in the NBA. And if you're going to say he's not the best coach, then he's top two, top three coaches in the NBA. I've seen some people say he's a Hall of Famer. Yes. Yeah. Because he has the ring, right? I mean, he 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 won the championship with LeBron and Bosh and those guys. So he's got that. So he's not missing a championship. He's won fairly consistently with a lot less talent than what he won the championship with. He's been in multiple finals now with a roster that is not uber talented necessarily. If he wins this thing against the Denver Nuggets with what he has, man, get out of here. And I remember when Pat Riley made him coach. Everybody's like, okay, well, this is cute, but he ain't Pat Riley. This is a tall order. They're going to walk all over him, LeBron and company. It's never going to work. And then LeBron leaves, and then it's, Nah, we'll see just how good Eric Spolster is. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, we're seeing all right. He's one heck of a basketball coach. And you talk about the Toronto Raptors trying to find that next young guy that can be that next young stud. You don't know. You hope you find the next Eric Spolstra, right? That's what you're hoping for. That guy that can be in your organization for 20 years or 10 years even as a head coach uh, and winning at a high level in 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 making a name for himself and creating a culture within an organization, because that is going to be the next thing. If, and when at some point Giannis is done with the bucks, how do you continue to win without that superstar player? Jimmy Butler is a star. Yes. Superstar. I don't know, but definitely a star uh, at the end of the day. We'll have to wait and see. That'll do it for another edition of Green and Growing. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day.